What are mountaintop experiences for you? How would you define mountaintop experiences? For some, it means that we have finally reached a victorious moment. Perhaps it says that we have endured a journey and at last we've come to the top. And because of that, and perhaps if it has been difficult indeed, we feel like we are on top of the world. It's a victorious moment or season in our lives to say that we have mountain top experiences. On April 3rd, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King gave the I've been to the mountain top speech. He gave this speech the night before he was killed. He was tired and he had asked a colleague to speak on his behalf. He was in Memphis and was supposed to speak in front of a group of sanitation workers who were going on strike. It had been difficult for him and he was tired and he had asked a colleague. But the people were chanting and they were expecting and they wanted Dr. King to speak. And that day, he gave the mountaintop speech the day before he lost his life on earth. And some of his words were, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. How and when had Dr. King been to the mountaintop during the civil rights movement? When? The night before he died? Today, we recognize him as a role model, an incredible activist, theologian, incredible speaker. He made our society better today. But just for a moment, take yourself back to that moment. When did he have a painless journey in the 60s? So what mountaintop experience is he talking about? That's a modern day example. Now I'm going to take you to the Old Testament. And before we get to Exodus 24, which is the passage for this morning, I'm going to set it up just a little bit. In Exodus 19, we read about how the Israelites had been freed from the land of Egypt's slavery. They reached the wilderness of Mount Sinai. They endured a tough journey, and they camped in the wilderness in front of the mountain. Exodus 19 informs us that God calls Moses from the mountaintop. God speaks to Moses. 
And this is what he says, or portions of these quotes. If you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. Indeed, the whole world is mine, but you, Moses, shall be for me a priestly kingdom. Verse 9, God's voice continues speaking to Moses. I am going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you, Moses, and so they may trust you ever after when you speak to them. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there was a thunder and a thick cloud on the mountain. The people took their stand at the foot of the mountain as they were instructed. Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended and summoned Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. The following chapters, Exodus 20, it's the Ten Commandments. Moses receives the commandments. The verse, chapters 21 through 23, more instructions from God about laws concerning the context of that day. So now we find ourselves in Exodus 24. I've set it up. You know what they've been going through. And here we are, Exodus 24, and we're going to read verses 12 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses sent out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, wait here for us until we come to you again. For Aaron and Ur are with you. Whoever has a problem or a dispute, they may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud, went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Amen. Lots of going up and down, right? Moses went up to God, to the mountain. Moses waited 40 days, 40 nights, and he had his mountaintop experience. Incredible experience. Assuming that we, you can remember the movie, if not the, the actual narrative, Moses has a conversation with a bush that talks. Kind of weird. Yeah? Incredible moment. A divine moment. He hears a divine voice, and that's the Lord. And it becomes a spirit 
fulfilled experience for Moses. And he sits on it and he dwells on it for a few days. Now here's the bigger emphasis, I hope. After his spirit-filled experience, he has to go into a lifelong journey ahead. And similar like Dr. King said, Moses, in a way, said to do God's will. I'm going to now take it in just a moment to the New Testament. Hopefully you can see the pattern. Old Testament, New Testament, ancient time, and modern time. But I begin to ask you, God has not stopped calling people to mountaintop experiences. Has he? Has God called you since you said no? Has God called you to a mountaintop experience? Ever? More than once. Do you expect to be called by God to a mountaintop experience? Do you believe that all of us may be called to a mountaintop experience? And one main question, how and will we respond should God call you to go up to a mountain, wait, have a talk with the bush, meaning strange things, be spirit-filled, and I'm going to leave it for now, for what? We are not piling, we are not storing for ourselves spirit-filled experiences just for a rainy day. You need it for the rainy day, but it's not just to fill the rainy day. We are to have mountaintop experiences so that we can have a lifelong journey in the name of Jesus Christ. That's a mountaintop experience we are to have. Did Dr. King have a painless experience? No. Did Moses have a painless experience? Well, maybe it's different with Jesus. New Testament. Matthew 16. And I'm going to read some of that. Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus tells his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. One of my favorite verses, verse 26, For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose their soul? In other words, if we believe that we are to be on top of the world and stay on the king or queen of the world, if you believe that is what life is supposed to be, if you believe that's your pursuit for happiness, to be painless, otherwise it must be God's punishment, to be painless, to pursue on top of the world mentality, we are dismissing we're being reluctant to participate in life's mission as a mature Christian believer of Jesus Christ. 
If we are pursuing on top of the world to remain there as much as possible, we may be losing our soul. Ouch. Matthew 17. I'm going to continue reading what Jesus was telling the disciples. Pick up the cross. Carry something with me. I'll take the heavy one. But take something with me. Follow me. Matthew 17, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up on a high to a high mountain called Mount Hermon. We attempted to go, but it was very cold this time, so we simply took pictures from the bus. We were not allowed to go because we were from the Florida Conference, Sunshine State. <laughs> and we, no, you're, they were right. We were not ready. We, we took sweaters. We took sweaters. Literally, this is what we considered where the transfiguration of Jesus took place. So Jesus is there. He takes a few of his disciples. And Jesus was transfigured before them. And his face changed and it was shining like the sun, and his attire became dazzling white. And suddenly, with Jesus, appeared two people, Moses and Elijah, beside Jesus, while he's being transfigured, talking with Jesus. The disciples fall to the ground. They're very afraid. But Jesus came up and said, get up. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Moses and Elijah are two pillars for the Hebrew faith, and it should be for us. It's a big deal that these two, I just set up a little bit why for Moses. Moses represents the law. He went up to a mountain to receive the commandments to bring it down to the people. By the way, how do they do while they were waiting for Moses to come down after 40 days, 40 nights? We don't like to wait, so we go crazy. So Moses is the pillar for the commandments. I can't get into Elijah due to time. I encourage you to read 1 Kings chapter 19. Who is Elijah? Elijah is a prophet who spoke prophetically to the people, figures they're stubborn again, and they're worshiping other gods. So he had to speak to them about their wickedness and how they had to change their ways. These two who were called to these incredible mountaintop experiences show up in front of the disciples so they could see. And it's very important that you make a note of why Moses and Elijah. Because then we realize that Jesus is not just above the law and above prophets like Moses and Elijah who came to do that, but he came to fulfill both the law and fulfill the prophecy that he was going to come down to be the Messiah. It was incredibly important for the disciples to see this moment. Jesus was transfigured on the top of this mountain so that he could leave to the disciples who were there something to lean on, 
something that they couldn't erase from their minds, something that they could treasure as a message of hope. Why hope? Soon after that, Jesus faces death. Soon after this mountaintop experience, Jesus faces death. So why does Jesus, why does he call these men, these persons to have mountaintop experiences? Why do we need so much hope? Do we need that much hope, guys? Do we do? Is it painless? Is the world and life as we know it painless? No. We need a whole lot of hope. So Jesus does this incredible moment, brings people to the mountaintop so that they can have something to lean on when it gets messy. We lose our souls if we are pursuing to reach and stay at the mountaintop. But we do need mountaintop moments. Brothers and sisters and friends, we need mountaintop moments. They can be scary, yes, but we need them in our lives. I hope you really believe that God can, has, and will continue to call you by name, and I hope that you respond and you go up to the mountain because we need Mount Tabor's or Mount Hermon's or Mount Sinai's in our lives. Why do we need mountaintops moments? First, we need a space where we can experience divine presence. You need to experience the presence of God. Yes? Seek mountaintop moments. You need divine presence. Two, we need Mount Hermon or Mount Sinai moments so that we can have our souls prepared. We need soul preparation because it's going to help us see the difficulties and the valleys in life with a different perspective. Imagine yourself literally climbing up in the mountain. You see everything, do you not? You see the valleys, you see the traffic, you can see everything. Just for a moment, you can kind of have an idea of what God sees. And God sees everything in all directions. It's important for you to have soul preparation so that you can gain perspective about life and what you're facing. And third, we need mountaintop experiences. You need to pursue your Mount Sinai because we all need a transformation. We need God intersecting in our lives. We need God intersecting into our mess. We need God interfering and coming into our valleys, correct? We need transformation. So we go to the mountaintop, meaning we have a space of divine presence. We have our souls prepared. We have transformational moments so that when we come down and we continue life's journey, we remain standing, proud, convicted that we are a child of God, a Christian, followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus came down from the majestic mountaintop to the valley. 
He endured life's brokenness. Jesus walked our walk, humanity's walk. And he went to the pit called death. He went to the cross without sin or unholiness. He conquers death. He forgives sin. He carries all that junk. Forgive my, my term. He, forget, he, he takes all that and he carries it to another site, another mountain, Golgotha, Calvary. He takes it and that's a mountaintop. And he stood there and he nailed all the sin and all of your brokenness, nailed to the cross, and that's a mountaintop experience. And there we know that we know that we know that death has been conquered and the sting of death is no longer reigning over you. A mountaintop experience is just beautiful and sublime. And God alone sits at the mountaintop. And God alone can be at the top and be everywhere all at the same time. We can't. But may you seek and pursue so that you can continue being a new creation. For Moses, the journey was to lead God's people to the promised land. For Elijah... It was to confront wickedness in the land and appoint the next prophet. For Jesus, it was the journey to the cross. For Dr. King, it was to bring equality amongst humans in North America. And the question for today is, you ready? And for you? And for us? May we sing, may we be filled, may we store, may we prepare, may we be transformed so that, so that everywhere we go and enduring the valleys as we know, you can endure it in the name of Jesus Christ and you can testify of God's faithfulness no matter what. May you have mountaintop experiences for God's kingdom and God's glory. Amen.